Emergency. Emergency. Emergency podcast. Everyone man your microphones. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Josh Newberg. I think we got Chris Knee with us. I know we got Brendan Sinone here. Today, again, we celebrate. This is an emergency podcast. This is another celebration podcast because Florida State landed a big commitment today from four-star wide receiver Destin Hill. We've been waiting on this one for a while. Hill is a six-foot, 200-pound wide receiver from New Orleans, Louisiana. Hill attends Edna Carr High School. He chose Florida State over dozens of offers, including Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, and others. Hill's the 19th-ranked receiver in the country, the 113th best prospect overall. Chris Knee, how did Hill end up a Seminole? By the work of David Yak Johnson, who's very tied in in Louisiana, the boot boy. And then you got Ron Dugans, who also put in work here. And Kenny Dillingham did a lot of work here. I think Kenny had a fairly good relationship with some of Fat's people and himself. Fat is pays on, Destin pays on formally Destin Hill now's nickname. Uh, FSU offered technically back in early January, but essentially when this staff got here, he knew he had an offer from this staff. That's the relationship he had with Yak and this staff. He came over soon after in January for an unofficial visit. He returned in March for a spring practice visit, his second of the calendar year in 2020 to check out FSU and to our knowledge he came over again during the pandemic but he's remained relatively quiet on that and obviously coaches can't really comment on that because the rules we all have rules to live by uh Destin Hill's commitment is a long time coming I mean heck we thought back in March it might happen March of 2020 and then there was a point in the summer surrounding that pandemic visit where we thought it may happen that here we are it's now and then november december roll around and we wholeheartedly expected it to happen because we were told he was going to sign early he, he in fact it. told us that yes <laughs> he said very then, little throughout his recruitment fsu had paperwork ready to go for him to sign early like fsu was expecting it too and then december rolls around he's still in the state playoffs he decides for whatever particular reason he just wants to wait there was a lot of speculation out of schools were getting involved, things of that sort. I don't really think it was that complex. I think it was more a kid still playing high school football who wasn't in a rush to decide because he wasn't going to enroll early. Now here we are, ink's dry. He's a seminal. It's mm-hmm. finally happened. It's a huge get for FSU. It's an important piece. It's somebody that they needed. It's a crucial offensive weapon. It's a guy that they had targeted for a mighty long time. And he's a guy that changed his complexion of what their offense is capable of doing in the immediate future. Brendan, um, this was an important piece to this recruiting class, but it's an important piece to the future of Mike Norvell's offense. Why did the staff like uh, Destin Hill so much, and what does he bring to Mike Norvell's offense? So I was going back and re-watching Destin Hill. I'd watched his junior highlights, obviously, when we had put together the – the package that we were assuming that he was committing back in, mm-hmm. in March or so went back when he was Destin Paisan. He had a different name uh, last time we thought he was committing to Florida state. So I was rewatching him, his senior film now and Holy crap. He just got even better. He was awesome as a junior. He was even better as a senior. He has legitimate four. I mean, he's been timed in the four threes, like legitimate four, three speed at the very least, let's say it's four, four. I'm not going to get into this semantic battle there that, that rages on the Knowles 24 seven mass message board. He's really, really fast. But beyond just being fast, he's extremely fluid, has really quick feet. He is, he 
pretty physical. Like he'll go up and, and get jump balls and win 50, 50 passes. He's 200 pounds. So he's got a pretty thick build and he just sees the game at a different speed. I think than everyone else, like not only does he play faster, he sees things develop in a way. It's almost like the game slows down for him. As you watch him move, he sets up cuts and, and blocks with the ball in his hands. And I, I think ultimately Josh, that's why he's such a big get for Mike Norvell. This is the offense that's built for playmakers. That's how they advertise it. Right. FSU did not have wide receivers this past year who made guys miss. Uh, they were one of the worst power five teams in the country in terms of having wide receivers who, who had avoided tackles in, in that metric category. He's someone who makes people miss. So he's going to be able to beat you as a deep threat. He'll be able to win on one-on-one isolated slants and stuff like that, and then make plays after he gets the ball. That's why he's a big deal. Um, trivia question for you guys, and this kind of reflects why he's good. Do you, do you want to guess when the last time FSU signed a – Offensive skill player who was ranked in the top 150 nationally? 2017. 2017? Yeah, 2017. Cam Akers class, DJ Matthews was part of that. I'm sure there's a couple others. Yep. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute since they've had someone of this magnitude and caliber as a skill player. Yep. I think they just missed with Warren Thompson, right? Wasn't he just outside 150? He was like 157, and then uh, Brian Robinson was, I think, in the 180s. So, I mean, they've had top 200 guys for sure, but, you know, Destin's closer to being a top 100 guy. To Sinone's point about Hill, he's productive as they come. As a junior, 50-plus catches, a little over 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, averaged just shy of 20 per reception. He replicated those numbers and improved upon them during a pandemic senior season. He was very, very good. I think the most impressive thing to me about Hill, especially in keeping up with him over the last year, this past season, he did it every time out. This wasn't one of those guys that had a couple 200-yard games and then you know nibbled away to accumulate the other yards. He regularly put up 150, 100-plus, multiple catches per game, regularly scored touchdowns, big plays consistently. And he did it in a multitude of ways. The thing I like about him, I think he's silky smooth, fast and quick. I'll take that all damn day. He's got the right kind of build that you want in a receiver. I think he's a guy that can play inside, outside for you. He'll go win one in the ear, but he's also not going to get pushed around. Mm. I think he's best receiver FSU has signed in a mighty long time. And I think he's a kid that can walk in here and play day one. Now, Florida State adds four new wide receivers to the roster. Joshua Burrell and Malik McLean are already signed and enrolled. Um, Destin Hill is now signed with Florida State. He'll enroll in the summer, as will Kansas transfer Andrew Parchment. Um, he'll be in, in, in likely in June. Um, Brendan, talk about how these additions mix into the current room of wide receivers FSU has. Oh, they're expected to, to contribute right away because right now FSU brings back, I don't have the list right in front of me, but they bring back Ontario Wilson, who I think is someone who showed He'll be reliable. He'll be a, a fairly big part of the offense. Here's, here's who Florida State returns, all right? Okay. They return Keyshawn Helton, Ontario mm-hmm. Wilson, Jordan Young, Brian Robinson, Kentron Portier, and Darren Williamson. So of those guys, who do you say has to be on the field? Like who can not – you cannot afford to not be on the field? None, None right? Of right? None of them. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think Wilson's the best of that bunch. I think Helton's a guy that's reliable and we hope returns to some of his pre-injury form that he right. didn't show this past year. But no, I mean, uh, the wide receiver position at FSU is going to be wide open next year. And there's so someone like Destin Payson, who, or geez, Destin Hill, got it, got under control. Uh, someone like someone like Destin Hill or Fat Hill or Fat Payson or whatever we're, we're calling him, no, Destin Hill has the chance to play immediately. Not just play immediately, but, but start and carve out a role where he's getting the ball a few times a game because he's such an impressive, explosive athlete. 
uh, Josh, I, I think he's someone that you have to at least find ways to get the ball early on in his career. And maybe that goes from being a gadget player to being a full-on starter by the end of the season. Uh, the other guys, you're Joshua Burrell and Malik McLean. They're here in the spring. That's a big advantage for them. We'll get to see what they can do physically. I think they're both pretty close to being ready to contribute. Burrell's got a big uh, physical build. McLean with the size and the speed on the perimeter. Those guys both provide something that can help you in different ways right away. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not sure if they look to add anyone else in the transfer market. I, I think they're pretty – we've talked about the numbers before. They're pretty close to being tapped out on scholarship numbers, but the Hill has a chance to make an immediate impact. And I think you feel really good about the potential of your room moving forward with him now in the fold. Be careful saying numbers. You're going to trigger Josh over there. But yeah, uh, they yeah. Work out. Do they? To talk more about the receiver, I had a good conversation with somebody in recent days about this. I think the belief of the staff is that Parchman and Hill can come in here and contribute day one. I think the hope is that one of McLean and Burrell add into that mix. So that's two, let's say two and a half receivers that you're kind of counting on there. And then you're hoping maybe you get something from the other guys that are coming back and, you know, get two and a half, three out of that. So you're looking ballpark about five, six, maybe seven receivers you feel you're reliable on. Now to deal with that, because that's kind of a short number for receivers, I think most teams would prefer to carry nine to 12 roughly is where they'd probably like that room to be in the sense of reliable receivers. I think something you'll see FSU do is with the addition of DJ Williams at running back, I think that allows somebody like Lawrence Toa Philly to potentially roll out and play a little bit in the slot and do some creative things as a running back who can play receiver. We obviously saw them do that. Some of the guy like Douglas, Ja'Kai Douglas last year. But I think Toa Philly is a guy that DJ Williams addition definitely opens up the opportunity for him to do that a bit more. Another thing to remember in this discussion is that Jordan Wilson will return for FSU this year and play. Wilson's primarily a blocker, so he doesn't really fit into the receiving game. But what he does do is he allows Cam McDonald to get away from the line of scrimmage and playing tight and be more of a flex tight end and be able to play outside a little bit more as a receiver. And then you hope that maybe a guy like Jackson West, who is also here early, a tight end that enrolled early out of the high school ranks, that you potentially get something from him. So in that sense, you're, you're looking at FSU adding several past catchers, not solely wide receivers, in the hope of kind of improving those numbers and obviously bringing the passing game along as you hope Mackenzie Milton helps you at that position at quarterback with throwing it down the field and being more effective than we saw FSU as a passing offense this past season. I wanted to use this segment as an opportunity to pat myself on the back for putting in the first crystal ball for Destin Hill on March 30th, but I'm looking at the crystal ball page. What got into us on March 30th? I hold we all on, Joshua. Yeah, Josh, hang on, hang on, back it up here. You're patting yourself on the back about your crystal ball, saying you're no, the first I'm, one. No, I'm not. I was about to, but I'm looking at the timing of all this. And the first one was Steve Wiltfong on the 29th of, of March. Yeah. And the second one was I put one in on the 30th at 7 22 a.m. Bud Elliott put one in at 7 23 a.m. Zach Blostein put one in that evening. You put one at 9.45 a.m. Chris Knee was in at 2.50. We were all, uh, by the end of the day on, on March 30th, everybody had put in their crystal ball pick in for Destin Hill. We, we all entered them when we woke up for that day. <laughs> it, is comical, <laughs> it is comical, the Twitter reaction right now, like in the last couple of days, everyone's like, oh, Destin Hill's probably going to sign with Florida State. Like, yeah, this has kind of been the expectation, aside from when there was that month or so when like Florida was getting involved back, what was that, November, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, November, there was a little bit of a wobble and a little bit of uncertainty. And that actually kind of got dismissed by early December 
And then it's not really a factor now because Brian Johnson, who was his primary recruiter for Florida, mm-hmm. just left for what an NFL gig, I think it was. So yeah, to be yeah, a I don't, quarterback I don't think, coach with Philly. Yeah. The funny thing with Hill is we were talking pre-recording, like who really are the schools that we dealt with in this? You know, Bama LSU were in that picture, but there was always bigger fish for those two. They were more focused on other guys. And down the stretch, a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. was their guy. Florida, we, we spoke on a little bit. They were in it, but they weren't really in it when January wore around. So they were, they were, no, they were, I'd say Florida was out of it by early December. Like by yes. the time early signing period had, you know, it was upon us, Florida was not recruiting Destin Hill down the stretch in the early period. And then they didn't pick up their recruitment in January. So it was, it's a really, really strange recruitment. Uh, it, it all worked out for Florida State in a good way, but we haven't dealt with many like this. It was a wire-to-wire lead for FSU in the recruitment for almost a year. But, like, when does that happen now with the early sign-in period? And you, you, never, almost. That, that you lead the, the entire way, and it doesn't go early. Weird. I'll say this. With my sources, they were very confident. Every single time I checked in to see what they thought about Hill, they felt like he was coming. I don't know what he told them back in March or April, but whatever it was, they were very confident from – June, July, all the way into November, December, January. I mean, when I would ask, you know, here and there about, hey, how do you feel? You still feel good about Hill? There was never a hesitation. There was never a, a, you know, nothing. It was always, yep, he's coming. And here we are. He signed. Uh, Chris, what does this mean for Florida State's class ranking? Well, I did the math, and this is obviously before the dust settles on National Signing Day, so other schools may add others and whatnot. But essentially, FSU went from entering that day class ranked number 30 overall to potentially a top 21 class. Now, it might slide a little bit. I still think they end up top 25 with that. I think the more significant thing to look at as FSU is trying to climb that mountain and get back to where they once were is where does this fit in the ACC? FSU went from having the number six class in the ACC to the number four class. Hmm. Now, in this whole discussion, something we got to remember and something people will scoff at is transfers are not included in this. So a third of FSU's class is transfers. They're not included in these rankings we're talking about. So is a class better than the rankings I'm throwing out here? Yes, I would argue it definitely is. And a class ultimately is about what have you done to address needs to make you a better football team. And I think it can definitely be argued that FSU did a very quality job of that especially because of the transfer portal. I think they did a great job of kind of handling a COVID pandemic year with new relationships and some difficulties in high school recruiting by going and getting guys in a transfer market that will help them immediately. Now, some of those are band-aids as compared to a guy like Hill who might be a three to five year player potentially for you. Um, But yeah, the class will go from six to four in the ACC. The only ones ahead of it are Clemson to be expected, Miami and uh, North Carolina, who's assembled a very, very good class. Hopefully not five years for Hill. That would mean something something went wrong for, for hey, him. Man. Eligibility is a made-up thing oh, right now, right. so that's I'm true. just preparing for the possibility of future made-up eligibility. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, well, I'm going to throw out a point here and, and have Josh try to talk me down as I'm drinking some Kool-Aid. Is it possible for you to pull the, the class calculator real quick and add just like some three-star recruits, like five or six of them, to see what that would do to the, the class ranking if they had those scholarships allocated to, to someone who would actually count in the rankings? To FSU class? Yeah, to FSU, just to see like what, yeah, what happens. If you want to throw me a couple three stars, I can do that right now for you. Am I including Hill in this beforehand or after? Include him in into the mix too. I basically want to see what FSU's class looks like 
in the class rankings if you were able to include those transfers into the ranking mix? Because I think we'd be looking at a top 15 class. Well, so you want to take into account other people, other teams' transfers, or just I mean, I don't know if I I mean, how many more are taking taking eight to, to nine? that Florida state has had. Well, the calculator itself doesn't allow you to include, like I can't go type in Mackenzie Milton and get him. That's what I'm saying. So just some random Uh, person who would probably be a high end three star. Well, I don't deal with randos. You're the guy that deals. Oh my God. Never, you know, we'll do this. If you want to throw me a couple names, I can do this exercise for you. Josh, what do you think? Should we do this exercise or derail it? Go to FSU's offer list and pick a handful of guys that we know we dealt with who are that kind of ranking, and I'll add them right now. In the meantime, I want to bring in our our scholarship guy, the scholarship counter guy. Wait, so you're making me count the scholarships while I try to You do the scholarships. I got this. I can handle it. I got two hands, and I can do them both at the same time. Yeah, I'll go to your offer list. I'll grab five rando three stars. You handle this with Josh and then come back to him, okay? Phone me back in soon enough. Now I know why people hate me on the reviews. And also, That's making sense. This is all my fault. Asking you to talk about final spots, it's one or two. I mean, right. how hard is that for you to count while you're while you're looking up something? Okay, so what are you asking me for? How many spots does Florida State have and what do you think they're going to do with these scholarships moving forward? <laughs> all right. Let's see. As of right now, if you add Dustin Hill to the mix, currently – they're slated to have 91 guys on their roster when fall camp starts. I'm assuming we'll see some more attrition after spring practice. So it'll be probably right around 85. So people freaking out that they're going to be losing another 10 to 15 and be well below 80. No, it's not going to happen. In this class, Josh, let's see. We think they have room for one more at this point if they go and get a, a hardship waiver or something else. This puts them right at 25. Yeah. But you're of the well. I don't, I don't want to say if you're. Of the I'm of belief, the. We, I'm of the belief the numbers always work out. You and are. I don't like to put an exact cap on those numbers because at the end of the day, it'll still work out. Um, I just follow the coaching staff and who they're recruiting and how they're recruiting. I, I think the priority after this will be to uh, find an offensive tackle, but an offensive tackle hasn't really come available in the uh, transfer portal that you know it just hasn't been as fruitful as we expected it to be um that doesn't mean it won't be and i think florida state will pocket this extra scholarship really all the way up until the start of fall camp in august Uh, the transfer portal will be in play from from now today until august so there's really no rush to use this extra scholarship i know for some fans it's burning a hole in your pocket but the staff is going to sit back i think there'll be another wave of transfers after the after spring practice ends mm-hmm. and kind of some guys see where they sit on their current depth chart, some might opt to leave. Um, we saw uh, who is the Mayan, who is the prospect that ended up signing with Miami Jerry and Williams or, or whatever his name was. Uh, the offensive tackle from Houston. That sounds right. From I can't Houston. remember. He made Jared. his decision in early August yeah. and FSU was in the mix with that one all the way until then. So we could see another, another off season like that where Florida state is kind of perusing the transfer portal all the way until fall camp begins. And right now they're at, just so we know for sure, they're at 25 with, with the addition of Destin Hill. We're recording this before Tywin Malone announces later in the afternoon. We're assuming right now, probably not Florida State. We'll have to do a whole other podcast if uh, if he does pick FSU. Oh, fire uh, so- emergency pod. <laughs> another one. <laughs> but, okay, right. Josh. So you got it, Chris? Yeah, I, I participate in your exercise. I went with guys that we know FSU recruited at one point or another in this process who they had a – puncher's chance of landing or at one point did have so i added luke altmeyer to throw and i tried to go with positions that fsu addressed via the portal 
Luke Altmaier at quarterbacks added. Obviously, Destin Hill is in there. Murray Harvey, who chose Auburn, but FSU kind of cooled it on down the stretch. Hargrove at running back because he's a guy that FSU truly wanted. They probably would have got, but they went with DJ Williams portal back instead. Keon Coleman, I love the kid. I throw him in for the hell of it. Damn good receiver. I think he and Parchment, you know, comparable talent level, possibly. Yeah, I just wanted to use a name. I didn't want to go overboard. He's also just a high three-star in the ranking, so it's not like I'm inflating it naturally. Mm -hmm. And then I picked Ruquan Buckley, a kid that, you know, they were in the mix for. I think he chose, what, Nebraska in the end? It was Mm -hmm. Nebraska, Michigan State, FSU. He could play both offensive or defensive line. So I added those guys. What's that, six, Chris, that you added? It's uh, Five or six. That's 22 total commitments, including Hill. So, you know. And FSU has 17 currently. So it's adding five plus Hill. That would put FSU in the national rankings. They would be, I'm looking right now, real time. This is happening. They would be around 16 to 17, Wisconsin, Texas territory. And obviously other schools have used transfers to round out their recruiting classes as well. But Chris isn't using the full eight that FSU and probably will end up being at least nine FSU allocates towards transfers. He's using half of that number. My point being, thank you for doing that, Chris, and partaking in it. I think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here, but reasonably like a borderline top 20 recruiting class for Mike Norvell in the pandemic year, like not terrible at all. It's actually reasonably decent. And on the portal stuff, I, I think it's worth pointing out that they made the conscious decision to go that way. We were told in October, November, leading up to December, January of the portal chase, that we're going to do this. We're not recruiting a lot of high school kids anymore. We're riding with relationships we have, and we're going to go to portal and address some of our needs and try to do it to the best of our ability. And that's what they've done. Now, we expect them to probably add one more portal kid down the stretch. We don't know who it will be, but we expect it to potentially be an offensive tackle. You do that, it's kind of the cherry on top. But this is a very solid group in the sense of, did they go and address their needs? Yes, they did. I think the only position people might balk at that idea is offensive tackle, obviously, and then maybe linebacker. Am I being overly optimistic and saying like that's a strong salvage? Like, obviously, you'd rather be recruiting elite freshmen, incoming freshmen. I think that's ideal. Or a program that won three games last year and hasn't been any good in three years and has had major issues in the sense of being prevalent on the recruiting trail for four years. Yeah. Okay. You're not being overly optimistic. It is what it is. I mean, they they need to do better for FSU to return to a level of prominence that they want, but does this make FSU a better football team than they were 12 months ago? I think the answer to that is probably yes. I certainly think the roster is more in the image of what they want it to be, and now we can go see if they can win with it. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for, for playing my game, Chris. Wasn't that fun? Josh had a good time. He yeah, next nice. time maybe let me know pre-show you want to do that. I thought of it. I thought it'd be more fun to be organic and natural, and I didn't even know if I wanted to do it. If I sprung that on you, you would whittle. You would literally be on a floor yeah. in a fetal position shaking. All right, well, you didn't spring it on me. I sprung it on you, and I knew you could handle it, so stop being a big right. baby. I'm not being All a baby. right, guys, calm down. The bench, the bench <laughs> can't take all this. Um, numbers, Josh, numbers. Before, yeah, before we get out of here, what are we thinking just looking ahead toward the 2022 class? What numbers wise, how many do we expect FSU to take next next uh, class? We, we always seem to start low, you know, oh, like mine would be like 16 or 20. And then it always ends up getting right around that 25. Um, I don't definitely, they're definitely not borrowing from the 2021 class. That's right. going to be fully topped out. So they're definitely not counting backwards exactly. with that. 
Yeah, they're at a point now where it's going to be that class is that class. It belongs to that class in the sense of number counting. Yes. Um, the other thing is obviously the, the roster is going to have some shakeout because of the eligibility differences this year compared to a normal year. So that's going to be something worth watching. Um, I still think it's going to trend into the 20s easily, um, position by position. You know, quarterback, we know they're going after two for sure. They already got one locked in. Certainly expect them to add at least one back. I think that's kind of a consistent theme. Receiver, you know, you're going to have to replace a guy like Parchment for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably another one of those veterans. So that's at least two, and that's a position they need to bulk up the numbers. So I think we can safely say, what, three? Tight end, I think it's certainly safe to say one, if not one. more than one. Offensive tackle, I think every year you want to try to get two if you can get two. You know, but that's a position where it's tough to come by the type that are going to make you a better football team. There's only so many of those types available interior at least one i don't know if they'll necessarily need more they have a decent amount of young interior guys i think they feel pretty good about some of those guys marie smith thomas schrader for example so you're thinking um, they take a, a o-line class of three guys potentially at least three i think I, a minimum of four is, is i think that. i think personal opinion every year you should try to take at least four to five linemen right Injury that's why right. i think this rate. is a four to five class. transfers happen at a decent amount you, you always should try to have 15 on your roster. So in a normal year, you probably need four or five in any given year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the need is necessarily there on the interior in the sense where they have to have two. But would it help them? Yeah, it would. And if they can get three tackles, then hell yeah, you do it. I mean, at some point, tackle is a position they probably need to over-recruit to simply have numbers. Right. Um, defensive line, I think interior is obviously a very important place for them to hit. I think they've done a great job of addressing the end, but you want to continue to restock that depth chart and you know bring guys in. Linebacker, I think, is an extremely important part of this class. Obviously, got that kind of started, even though Hester's more of a defensive end. He can fit some of the idea of what they're going to probably do in a 4-2-5 with backers. And then uh, defensive backs, you always have several in the class. It's an athletic group, and a guy who focuses on special teams like Mike Norvell is always going to take guys who can do stuff on special teams in the secondary so I think it's safe to say what two to three. So I don't I didn't keep up with the numbers there, but I think I'm at least at twenty to probably twenty-two. And I think that's probably the numbers we're looking at. All right. Uh Brendan, anything you want to get off your chest before we we leave these fine folks? I hate Burger Fi. All right. Do you miss I got a question real quick. Do you miss the old signing ways? of this being the big day and that being early period not existing. I, I was talking about it with Josh yesterday for you two guys. I feel like there's both like, there's a level of projecting some, but there's anxiety coming from both of you. Cause this is so abnormal for what you're used to. I have, I have more anxiety because I feel like the fact that we only have two prospects to cover today has been giving me a lot of anxiety over the last few days, because I simply feel like I'm missing something. I'm not, we're not, we're good. But today is a complete letdown for me. I remember working for the territory back in 2004, going to Gino Hayes commitment ceremony on National Signing Day. And that's the reason I got into this business. Like National Signing Day on that first February Wednesday was was everything. And now it's nothing. Guys, I'm going to go get my car washed after this. (laughs) What's your best signing day memory of like you actually covering something memorable that happened i obviously going to that gino hayes, gino hayes. um mm-hmm. i've told the story on here a couple times but that was i had no idea that was the first you know dave peters and, and jim henry who i was working for at the time um sent me over to madison county and said go cover this kid's commitment and i had no idea what a commitment was or never 
you know, no idea. But that day when he was choosing between Florida State and Tennessee and he came in with tears in his eyes and then they took him an hour and a half to go back to the coach's office to discuss it. Mom comes out crying. Uh, Gino just simply puts the, the name to the paper. He looked miserable. And I was like, oh, this is what this signing day is about. You know, like I started to realize like this is a big deal. And there was just so much buildup to that day. Um, Bobby Bowden did an incredible job of, of making signing day a special event. Jimbo Fisher, even, even in the days of, of modern recruiting, it was hard to really make a big splash on signing day and Jimbo Fisher found a way to do so. And now here we are, we're covering two prospects. Yeah. And it's that way nationally. It, it's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. This isn't an FSU thing. This is across yeah. the country. I'm more looking forward to FSU being able to be a bit established both in relationships and hopefully product on the field and having a fairly normal early signing period. Because really, since the creation of the early signing period, it's been fairly tumultuous around these mm -hmm. parts. And that's hindered FSU. The early signing period is not created for those who are unstable or those who don't really just have everything in order that has to be in order for it to be a successful day and you know i think their hope was that would have been the case this past cycle but obviously circumstances of the world did not allow for such a thing i hope they move in, in future years move the signing period up a little bit the early signing period august i've always believed it should be before the senior season say like august mm -hmm. allow for those summer official visits to happen especially reward kids that are academically in good standing in the sense of being admitted to colleges, allow for that early period, let them sign in August, make the signing mean something outside of a coach, head coach leaving a university, for example, or university going on probation post-signing, mm -hmm. make it kind of ironclad, and then have the February version. I would prefer that kind of window. I think Jimbo used to talk about that was how he would prefer it to for it to be, if they're going to do it for it to be early and late. I don't think he was a huge fan of the idea of the early period. Yeah. They're two bunched together right now. I think it'd be more rewarding to high school players. Like you said, Chris, that, that have their stuff in order. I think that'd be good. I think it'd be more rewarding to, to schools to not have to be recruiting guys. They already think are pretty committed during the season. And I think for us as an entertainment you know, standpoint to have some more that would allow for at least probably what 10 20 percent more of the talent pool to be up in the air going into february which i think would would get us back to a little bit more intrigue and, and uh entertainment it would be a bit more like hoops and setup and mm -hmm. yeah, we we know hoops has sped up a lot and i think football is heading that direction quickly but if it's heading that direction then let's you know be ahead of the curve all right, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in to this emergency podcast. Enjoy the rest of your signing day. We will be back to our regu regular scheduled program uh, probably next week, next Monday. So thanks for hanging out on the bench. It was never articulated to me that Josh was going to be recording this episode. That was never once articulated. You think about the hundreds of episodes that we've recorded. I've probably recorded. How 80, many emergency pods have you done? That's a good point. I am. I am the emergency pod, man. I just, I'm just the siren. All right. Yep. You know the deal. I'm going to say emergency, emergency. Then you smash the siren. Ready? Okay. Three, 
to 